And we are in week two of our series on faithfulness. And so we're just looking at some, some people in the Bible that I think would be really easy for us to get a Passover, to dismiss, to, to not even really think about the, the significance of what happened with them and what it means for us today. And so uh, today we're going to look at, how, at God's faithfulness in our lives, and especially in moments of sacrifice and generosity. So we're, we're looking at these, these passages, and, and, and today we're, we're, I need to warn you about something. What we're going to look at today. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> so we're going to be confronted by something that most of us want to keep private. Yep, we're talking about finances today. Like, yes! Thank you, Pastor! Thank you for not running out. So, so we, we want to talk today about generosity and about giving. But here, I, I want you to know up front, my, my goal today isn't to, to convince you to, to simply give more money. That's not the point for today. The goal is to lead you to surrender your heart to God. You see, the, the condition of our heart is, is oftentimes a revealer of, of is, is revealed by the way that we manage our finances. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. But before we, we get to the scripture that we look at today, I, I, I've got a question for you. So if you, you are seeking some, some advice about how to manage your money, like, who would you ask? Maybe you talk to a family or friend or you know, somebody that, that really is good with, with managing their finances. Maybe you would call up a, a financial planner to talk, about, talk to them about how you can better manage your finances. Or, or maybe you, you'd, you'd shoot off a, an email to Warren Buffett or to Elon Musk, right? Maybe you have their email, their, their email number. I don't, I don't have their email address. No. But I, I, as we're going to see today, I think that Jesus might tell us that we should contact a poor widow, I mean, this is just, this is crazy to even think about. So this is a, this is a story that we're going to look at today that, that where, where Jesus doesn't lift up a, a rich person or someone who has figured it out when it comes to, to learning how to manage our finances. Instead, he points us to a poor widow, a, a woman who is utterly dependent on others. And the reality is, we don't even know her name. So if you have your Bibles, uh, grab them and, and turn to Mark chapter 12, and we're going to look at verses 41 to 44. And if you grab a Bible from the back, it's page 693. And you can just leave your, your Bible open up on your lap, because we're, we're going to go back to this. We're going to look at the passages for these and the ones after it as well. So we're just going to be in this section pretty much our entire time this morning. So let me read verses 41 to 44. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. So, so let's unpack this story. So first of all, I just, I love the fact that this, this entire event happens because Jesus decides he's going to sit down and he's going to watch the crowd. Right, so, so Jesus is people watching. Any, anybody here love to do people watching? Anyone? 
Black Friday is the best time to people watch. Right, you get to see people's like, you know, like what is important to them at that, that moment, right? And I mean, and you, just, you just can learn so much about people by, by simply slowing down and paying attention. So Jesus, he's at the temple in Jerusalem, and, and he decides he, he wants to watch these people as they're coming and going. And so the temple was the center of, of activity in Jerusalem. It's kind of like a, the, the downtown area for today. And so there, there would have been a, a lot of people, a big crowd milling around. And, and, and so the temple, it, it had a series of courtyards in it. And, and so Jesus is, is sitting in the area that was known as the Court of Women. Right? And so all the Jews were allowed in this area. And, and, and as the name suggests, it, it's the place, the innermost courtyard, where women were permitted to go. And this courtyard, by the way, happens to be the place where the temple treasury was. And so the treasury actually had 13 receptacles that looked like kind of like upside-down trumpets or megaphones that looked like that. And, and so the people, as they walked by, they would drop their donations into them. And so Jesus is, is watching the, uh, the hustle and the bustle around the courtyard, and, and he would watch as some people drop their donation into the treasury, and then, then they would continue on their way. And, and here's, what, here's what Jesus says, verses 41 and 42. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. So I want you to notice something about what I just read. Right? It's simply, it's just giving facts, just information. There, there's no opinion here. Right? And, and so the, these facts, they, I think they, they, they shouldn't surprise us. So, so rich people threw in large amounts, and the poor threw in small amounts. I mean, isn't that what we would expect? Right? We expect rich people to donate more than, than we expect you know, people who, who aren't rich. And so the, uh, kind of at a first glance, there's, there's nothing happening here that's out of the ordinary, that, nothing that should really surprise us. Rich people give a lot, and a poor person gives a little. That's just how it works. But Jesus sees something that really nobody else sees, and nobody else really notices or paid attention to. You know, and you know me, I love to put myself into the context, into the scene, to kind of play it out of my head. And I just, like, this happens, and Jesus watches this woman go up there, and she puts her offering in, and he gets excited, right? And, and, and like, the first thing he thinks of, like, I want to call my disciples together. He's like, guys, come on, come on, come on. I got to show you this. Come on, I got to tell you this. Look, look what happens. Verses 43 and 44. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything. All that she had to live on. So what is it that Jesus actually saw here? I think he, he saw that this poor widow completely surrender her whole life to God. God, God's faithfulness breaks through in our lives when we are fully surrendered to him. And so, so Jesus saw this, this kind of complete surrender in these two small coins. So, so, so let's explore this a little bit. Let's, let's dig into this a little bit and, and see what we can learn about God's faithfulness through this poor widow's act of surrender. So if you want to take some notes, we have, we have three points for today. And so first of all, I think what we see is a surrender with intention. And so the, the first thing that really fascinates me is that this poor widow, I mean, think about this. 
she knew exactly what she was going to do. Right? She, this was an intentional act of surrender. She, she's surrendering everything that she had to God. So she, she purposely walks up to the tree. Like we got those boxes in the back, right? She, she purposely walked to the, back, to the box in the back, right? And she knew exactly what she was going to give in that moment. She had already decided ahead of time. And you think about that. The, the intentionality of this. Because we're, we're told exactly how much she gave. Two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. And she put in two coins. Now, now play this out kind of from our perspective and how we generally think about this. Right, so this is a, this, this, if, if this was a, a split-second decision for this woman, like she would have given one and she would have kept one, because right? that's what we do. Right? When you aren't planning to something and then suddenly like you have to, to give, like there's some, you know, an opportunity to give or, or whatever, and we open up our wallet and there's a 20 and a 5 in there, which one do we typically reach for? The 5, right? It's just our nature. That's what we do. We keep something for ourselves. Why? Be- because it's just, it's the brokenness inside of us. But this, but this woman, she, she intentionally gave both coins. And do, you, do you see the power of this and the intentionality of this? She had a plan. Like this, this poor widow invited God into the, to, the, to every aspect of her life the, to the point where her financial life is laid bare before God. Even though it was just two coins, she gave them intentionally, and therefore she surrendered intentionally. I think too often we surrender our lives to God randomly. Random surrender tends to lead to to reluctance or really even regret. But intentional surrender, that, that leads to joy. Remember what Paul wrote about giving in 2 Corinthians 9, 7? Each of you should give what you have decided, there it is, in your heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And so this widow, she intentionally decided what she was going to surrender to God. What about you? Second thing I think we we see in this this is surrender with humility. You know, right before Jesus sits down to, to people watch, he, he actually had just finished giving this scathing rebuke to, to the rich teachers of the law and, and to, to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, who really, they, all they cared about was getting noticed and praised by other people. And so he, here's what he said. It's just right, right before what we just read. Mark 12, verses 38 to 40. As he taught, Jesus said, watch out for the teachers of the law. They like to walk around in flowing robes and be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and have the most important seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at banquets. They devour widows' houses and for a show make lengthy prayers. These men will be punished most severely. So Jesus says, he's like, hey, all these, these people who are kind of highfalutin religious people, all they do, all they care about really is, is getting noticed, getting praise, like, woo way to go. You guys are awesome, right? And they could care less if it ruins widows' lives. And the very next thing that we see 
is Jesus watching a widow step forward. So then, right after this, after we hear about this poor widow's gift, then Jesus says this in, in Mark 13, 1 and 2. As Jesus was leaving the temple, one of his disciples said to him, look, teacher, what massive stones, what magnificent buildings. Do you see all these great buildings, he replied, replied Jesus? Not one stone here will be left on another. Everyone will be thrown down. And so here, the, you know, and so what I think he's trying to say is that these people, that most of them, they're, 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 what they were giving was really for the, for the upkeep and, and the maintenance of the temple. And the disciples are like, wow, look at this. Look at, look at the beauty of this temple that we're just walking out of. And Jesus is like, I'm not impressed. In fact, Jesus knows that, that it's all going to be destroyed. It, it actually happens 40 years later. And so the, the rich people's gifts, they're, they're about getting praised and recognized for a building that, that one day is going to be in ruins. So what are we supposed to make of all this? Well, I think, first of all, that this, this widow, she, she could care less about being seen or noticed. She, I, mean, I, I don't even think she even knows that Jesus is watching her. And then I think, second of all, like, I, I don't think this, this widow even cares about giving to a building. She, she cares about giving to the kingdom of God. And so she, she's giving with humility. She, she's not trying to control her money. She, she's giving without any desire to be recognized. You know, and, the, and the ironic thing in this whole deal is, is that these two little coins that she gave has, has made a bigger impact on the kingdom than all that the rich people gave that day. How do I know? Because we're talking about it 2,000 years later. That's how important this is. Humble kingdom giving lasts. Humble kingdom giving is seen by God. And God faithfully uses her and her gift for, for more kingdom work because of the complete surrender of her humble heart. What about you and me? And then third, I think we see surrender out of trust. Now, if you felt a little pushed on this, and you know, I'm talking about finances or whatever today, just, just, just get ready for some, <laughs> a little bit more, all right? And, and I, I'm not trying to kind of pile on, I'm not trying to lay some guilt on you or twist your arm or anything like that. But sometimes when we read God's word, it, it stretches us and where we are in our walk. You know, another thing that I think we learn from this widow is that her giving, it actually required her to put her whole trust in God to provide. I mean, this is huge. We see it when, when it says that she gave all she had to live on. And so when, when Jesus is comparing this widow with, with these rich people around her, he, he's implying that their gifts did not you know, just require the same kind of trust that hers did. Jesus is, is actually challenging his disciples to see that even though the rich people gave more, it was less of a sacrifice for them. They, they weren't taking the same kind of risk with their faith. They weren't depending on God for everything. And so even though they were giving more, they, they actually, they weren't trusting God for their provision. There was no surrender. I think this is why Jesus says in Mark 12, 44, they all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. 
And what Jesus, I think he's, he's trying to communicate here is that the rich people, they were giving money that they had to spare, right? I mean, they didn't have to worry about whether or not they had enough for tomorrow or the day after that. They didn't have to worry about God, you know, that he was going to provide for them. They weren't giving in faith. They were giving God their leftovers. So Jesus is saying, these rich people in the temple, they're seeking themselves first. And then they were giving whatever they could spare. This woman, this widow, she was seeking first the kingdom and, and trusting that God would provide. Jesus says in, in Matthew 6, 33 to 34, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Now, if you're not a Christian, right, then, then giving God whatever is left over, I mean, it just, it makes sense. Because that, that's how we approach charitable giving in our country today, right? So American culture says, hey, earn your money and then give out of the surplus, if you have any, to some good cause, right? And, and, and that mentality has, has infiltrated the church, but that's not the mentality of a disciple of Jesus, Just because this is the default kind of value of of our culture doesn't mean it should be ours. If we are processing this story about this this widow, right, from from the perspective of of our culture today, like we would be like, she's been foolish. She should at least kept something back for herself so she could invest in her 401k, right? But, But hear me out on this. If you're a disciple of Jesus, then the gospel, it totally transforms every aspect of your life, including how we approach giving. I mean, think about this. The blood of Jesus has saved you. Jesus surrendered his life for you and for me. And in that, you discover, I discover that we are more loved than we ever realized. And yet, we, our sin is also more powerful than we ever realized. And yet God loves us in spite of it all. He gave his son for us to forgive us for our sins in the past, the present, and the future. And so when we surrender our lives to him, then everything we do after that is compelled by the love of God. The Apostle Paul puts it this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all. That those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. And so the, the love of Jesus for you and for me, it, it compels us to live differently, to even see our, our charitable giving from, from a totally different perspective. Now, throughout this series, we're, we're sharing um, some, some videos from, from people from our, our campuses who, who, have, who have seen God's faithfulness at work in their lives. And today we want to see a video uh, by Garth Shaner from our Crossroads campus. So watch this video.
I heard a preacher say, you know, God only says, test me once in the Bible, and it's about giving. And I'd only come to Jesus in my 20s, and I was moving along and thought, all right, well, if God's given me everything and he says, you can test me on this, I figured I'd go ahead and try it. So I started giving 10%. A lot of people quit cold turkey. I actually started cold turkey. And it just always fit that God was being faithful and making sure that as long as I was giving, I had what I needed. God has proven himself over and over with us. Probably the biggest time was when I was told in July, the end of July in 2017, that my job was going away in September. September 1st was gonna be my last day. We had just moved to Greensburg, had moved my mother-in-law out of her house into our house. We did what we should have done. I made phone calls, I sent out resumes, Tracy made contacts, nothing really came of it. I got a phone call out of the blue from somebody I'd never heard of to go work for a company I didn't know existed at basically the same salary I was making. I didn't have any connections, I didn't have contacts, I didn't have a network in Pittsburgh. The only way that could have possibly happened is that God orchestrated it. God made it happen. We didn't even think about changing our giving because we knew God had it. God was providing for us and he would provide. Probably the best thing I've seen though is what this has done for my daughter. When we give, at least up until very recently, we would still write a check and put it in the basket. Sometimes when Carly was younger, when the basket was being passed, we'd give her the money to put in the basket because we wanted her to know that this is part of being a Christian. This is part of following Jesus. So when my daughter got her job at Chick-fil-A, she came to us and said, well, how do I get my money out of the bank because I need to start giving? That's a great dad moment. That's a great mom moment. That to me. That couldn't have worked out better. So I trust God with my finances because he has always proven himself faithful. If you have never tried giving before, it's the only place God says, test me. Why not try it? You know, Garth recognized that God was inviting him to trust him with his finances. But really for him, I think, the transforming moment was when he realized that his daughter had made a connection as well. And the way he lived his life and the way that he trusted God had an impact on the next generation. See, the decisions that you and I make, they're, they're not exclusive to us. They, they make an impact on others as well. When we trust in God's faithfulness, it, we, we see it changing other people's lives. And I think once we get to the place where we acknowledge that, that God really, I mean, he, he owns it all. It's all his. Like, and, if, and if everything, I mean, ultimately it belongs to God, we have no reason not to give it away. It's not ours. Paul writes in 1 Timothy chapter 6, we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. And so if God is really, if he is the source of our 
of our finances, then there's no reason not to be generous. I mean, Jesus gave it all for us so that we would hold loosely to the things of this world. What would it look like if instead of giving our leftovers, we gave our best to God first? You know, the poor widow, she, she's, she's giving it all. She's, she's trusting God to provide for all of her needs. The rich people, they're just giving the leftovers. They aren't trusting God at all. They're, they're not able to experience God's faithfulness in their lives. They might be given more, but they aren't surrendering anything to God. The widow might be giving less, but she surrendered all to God. In his book, Mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis, Lewis had this to say about giving. I do not believe one can settle how much we ought to give. I'm afraid the only safe rule is to give more than we can spare. In other words, if our expenditure on comforts, luxuries, amusements, etc., is up to the standard common among those with the same income as ours, we're probably giving little, too little away. If our charities do not at all pinch or hamper us, I say they are too small. And I don't know about you, but I, I find C.S. Lewis's words very convicting. And all of us at some time in some place, we, we have the opportunity to kind of demonstrate our, our trust in God's faithfulness. So about a year ago, Kelly lost her job. She, she was teaching Chinese students online to, to speak English. And the Chinese government uh, decided that they were no longer going to allow uh, for-profit tutoring in China. And so Kelly lost her job. We lost probably, I don't know, 20, 25% of our income. And so not long after that, you know, Kelly came to me, she does our finances, it's just better for us that way. And she's like, so what do you wanna do about our giving to Charo Church? I'm like, let's just not change it. Let's trust God. And so all of us have got to come to a place at some point and have that kind of a conversation about what we really believe. What we really believe about God's faithfulness. I'm telling you, surrender, and we just sang about it. Surrender, it requires trust, and, and trust requires risk. And, and, and please, 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 don't misunderstand me. I'm not telling you you should be foolish with your finances. Scripture has plenty to say about those who, who are foolish with, the, with their belongings, and, and none of it is good. Right? And so what, what I'm saying, that, 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 that God he longs for us to trust him, with our finances, to, to invite him into our financial decisions because many of us, like that's the key. Like that, that's the last thing that we hold on to for control. It's the last thing we would open ourselves up to God and trust his faithfulness. So here's what I want you to do. I, I, well, here's, here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. So I, I wanna challenge you this week. Right, to, to just simply invite God into your financial decisions for, the, for this week. Just, just give it a try. I'm not talking about just in, in your decision to what you're going to give to our church. I'm not talking about that. I'm, talk, I'm like talking about every financial decision that you make this week. Whether you're, it's, it's going through Chick-fil-A or Burger King or you know, Starbucks or buying groceries or paying your mortgage. 
before you swipe the card or write the check or transfer money over, Venmo or whatever it is that you do, pause for a moment. God, I'm surrendering this financial decision as small as it may be or as big as it may be to you. I'm trusting in your faithfulness. So today we're going to close a little bit differently. So we've asked a handful of people uh, if they would be willing to pray uh, for you, for those of you who, who would like prayer. Right? Not that you would come forward and, and pray that you, you know, you'd give more money, right? No, just about surrender. And so we've asked Danny and Christy, they're, they're going to be over here in front of the, the kitchen, and, and, and Pastor Dennis is going to be in, in the back, and Kelly and I and Abby, one of those God moments, dad moments, is gonna, will be over here. We would love to pray for you. Pray for God to work in your heart and in your life that you would take a risk and you would fully trust and you would surrender it all to God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for these, these small little stories that have such a tremendous impact upon our lives. Because it causes us to have to wrestle with, with where we are with you. Are, are we holding on to control? Are we, are we holding on to uh, things that we just think we, we, we can't let go of? Or are we surrendering it all to you? Are we seeking first your kingdom? So God, I, I suspect that even as we were singing that song a few minutes ago, that I surrender all, that it was... There were many that thought that, you know, I'm going to sing this song, but I'm, I'm really not ready for that risk. And I pray, God, that as, as we sing this, this last song, that uh, maybe by the power of your Holy Spirit, you, you would move in that person's life, and, and they would just walk to, to one of the people that are ready to pray. And they would just trust you, God. They would take a risk and step out in faith not knowing where it's going to lead, but knowing you are a good, good father and knowing that you are trustworthy, knowing that you gave your son Jesus and wake a way back to you. So I want to encourage you. Take that risk. Walk up to one of these folks. Just simply ask them to pray for you. God, would you be at work in us? We surrender all. Father, we love you and we praise you. We ask all this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen.